You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. But just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? All right, welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. I've been building up excitement for this opportunity with my friend RJ Kelly because uh, we are longtime friends in the uh, Million Dollar Roundtable space, but haven't had the pleasure of getting to do something like this. So uh, very excited today. Thanks for joining me. Brian, I'm so stoked about being with you. Uh, I guess say stoked. You can tell I'm a Southern California boy, I guess, huh? But uh, <laughs> you know, every time I'm with you, I learn something. You are truly innovative and you're fun. I mean, that's that's it doesn't get much better than that. Being really good at your craft and also just really fun to hang with. So anyway, I'm I'm so deeply honored to be with you today. Thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, my pleasure, and, and likewise, you uh, you are such a wealth of knowledge. It's uh, it's hard not to be around you and soak in. 20 nuggets at a time. So I, I know we're going to have a great conversation, but you know, most of the time, this is true for a lot of people, the first four questions are the hardest. So let's just get them out of the way. Uh, and then we can have a lot more fun after that. So question number one, if you could have one superpower, what would your superpower be? Well, and that was such a great question. I don't think I've ever seen that one before uh, in a podcast, and I do quite a few of them just like you. And I thought, what a great opening question. So here's the deal. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what my first world filter is. And so um, for me, one of the things that, that attracted me and, and I read about in, in the Bible is Jesus touching people, not just physically healing them, but emotionally and, and spiritually and, and relationally. And I thought, Gosh, if I could have a superpower, I would love that because I see so many people in pain and in doing the work that we do. One of the things that that God's really putting on my heart right now is the homelessness issue. And I've been complaining about that. And of course, here in San Diego and Southern California, we got people just everywhere. And I've been griping about it. And, you know, it's kind of, and I thought, well, why don't I do something about it? Well, what am I doing to educate myself? What am I doing to, to learn? I mean, I've given away backpacks and things full of food and, and medical supplies, but really seriously, what else am I doing to make a difference for good? So for me, superpower would be to be able to just reach into somebody's life that's hurting financially, um, well, emotionally, physically, and just be able to, to bring them peace and, and, and therefore um, help bring their lives to a balance and to make it, at least in some way, uh, an impact for good uh, in my community, both here and, and at large and go from there. But that'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I love it. I think, uh, and your your answer is way better than, you know, flying or invisibility and all the other stuff, because it's, uh, you know, it ties into the things, the values that I know you and I share. And 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 I agree. I think poverty is one of the greatest human ills of all time. Uh, and, and we're so fortunate to be in an industry that can have a direct impact in changing that. So I know, uh, yeah, you and I will both continue to roll up our sleeves in our respective spheres to see if we can leave leave a better impact on the world and and move the needle as far as we can, right? That's right. Yeah. So thanks for asking that question. What a great, that's a great stimulating question. 
I love it. Now, what, what a good way to get us going. This, this next one may not be as stimulating, but it's still fun. What food will you not eat under any circumstance? <laughs> well, well, first of all, I got to preface my answer with the fact that I'm married to what I call an Asian Asian. She's an Asian born in Asia. And so, uh, I mean, just literally last night for dinner, this is going to gross some of your listeners out, I'm sure, but we had tongue. Now, cow tongue, not human tongue. We had cow tongue and we had liver. And as a kid growing up, I, that was the one meal I would gladly skip uh, at my uh, out on the range. But uh, I, I've learned to actually, and the way my wife cooks liver is amazing. But again, you, you got to realize, especially in Asian Asian, <laughs> the joke is, you know, as far as the pig goes, they eat everything except the squeal. So <laughs> I've got a reputation in my family to, that I'll eat darn near anything. But I do have to say, I'm not, I'm not a fan of chicken feet. Um, not because I don't like the taste. I just, just, just kept a lot of work to get anything out of it, you know? So, um, and if I had to find something, I the Chinese, one of the actually very horrific things they do is they'll take a live monkey, slam them up underneath a table that has a hole in the middle of the table, cut off the monkey's head or hit, sorry, the top of his head and eat monkey brains. Now, I probably would choose not to do that. But other than that, I've eaten worms. I've eaten all kinds of stuff. So, you know, <laughs> bring it on at least once. My mom taught me, honey, you got to eat it at least one time <laughs> before you hold your nose. So it's like, okay, mom. Fair enough. I love it. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I consider myself relatively adventurous. I, I have personally had to draw the line on eating bugs I mm -hmm. just can't, can't do it. Um, but outside of that, I'm, I, I'm probably pretty close to you. I, I'm willing to try anything, just, just about anything once at least, you know, cause you never know, right? You just never know. And by the way, uh, liver worse for us is uh, a delightful. We, we, we have some great meals. So I'm, I'm, I'm all over some of those <laughs> things. Uh, I don't know that we've tried uh, tongue, but um, anyway. It's always yeah, you got to clean it off really, really, really good and, and slice it down really nice. You know, take off the outside layer and stuff. It's like, it, it does sound gross. At first, like, we're going to do what? <laughs> but the way my wife cooks, she's amazing. So, yeah, it's good. Awesome. <laughs> got to trust me on that one. I, I Oh, I do. I do. Implicitly. All right. Here's, here's another fun one. What's the number one destination that you want to visit, but you have yet to visit, which, you know, for you, has got to be a a shrinking list because you've gone and done a lot of things. You've been to a lot of places. Yeah, no, you're, you're, thank you for being aware of that. Yeah. And as, as you and I were talking about before we got, went live, um, I, I, on my wall, like I just got asked to do a talk on work-life balance and I, which cracked me up because I'm probably one of the most out of balance people that you'll ever meet because I am just all over. But uh, I, because, it, so again, more what I'm trying to practice is um, life work harmony life work harmony. But as I was thinking about this being asked to give this talk, I look up on my wall and here is a blowgun from the island from Borneo, East Kalimantan in the Indonesian portion of Borneo, fifth largest island in the world, uh, with my chief's throwing spear 
uh, the darts for, and then the skin, wild boar skin on the wall. Um, yes, I've been in Nepal. I got to meet Sir Edmund Hillary on the uh, at twelve thousand feet, and his brother, uh, amazing guy. Uh, I've been around the tip of South America on a freighter. Um, I've been on Easter Island. So, so uh, I've spent time in Zimbabwe, and uh, then actually went over to Botswana and, and spent sixteen days in the Kalahari and. Uh, Okavanga Delta. And just so I've been blessed to be able to go a lot of cool places, but on, on a civilized city, it would, it would be Prague. I just can't wait to see Prague. It is truly from everything I've heard from friends and clients, such a gorgeous, beautiful city as far as though, again, a little more adventurous Machu Picchu down in Peru. Um, I've been at some of the tallest falls in the world, including Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe and, and um, uh, but I haven't been to Iguazu Falls yet in in, uh, in South America. So I would say those would be my kind of fun stuff. And then Prague for the civilized go there. But there's still Love more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and that's the good thing, right? You know, as, as we create these lists and then we check them off and there's the next thing and the next fun place. So I... Uh, I love it. And I'm sure at some point you can share your, your your list with me since I know mine's probably not nearly as well developed yet, but we are getting there. And, and, and a, a fun fact that I like, um, that I hope, you know, I like to share this with as many people as possible because I think it's really cool. My wife has a thing that she calls 50 under 50, and it's kind of a con competition between her and her older brother. But it's she wants to see all 50 states before she turns 50. Yeah. And, you know, it's this thing where, you know, we, we as, as people that live in the United States, we have such, we have 50 little, you know, mini countries that most people never see any or half of in their lifetime as well. And it, so she's uh -huh. really helped me stay focused on, you know what, let's also make sure that while we want to go places overseas and visit other countries and all the other stuff, let's not neglect the U.S. at the same time. So I, I love that. And I'm glad she's allowing me and us as a family to participate in that. Although, um, admittedly, I was already well ahead of her. And I, and, I, and uh, I think I'll stay ahead <laughs> So where her. are you at now? How, how many states have you guys seen or how many are left to go? I think she's, I think, up to like 38. I'm at okay. 42. Uh-huh. I'm, 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 I'm what's close left, to, I think, I think I'm down you? to like a single digits in terms of the ones that I haven't seen yet, but, um, uh -huh. but yeah, so, so uh, we're, we're getting there quickly and uh, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. We use opportunities like, you know, MDRT trips and all. And in fact, um, say TOT, it helps. Yeah. Well, and we, the most recent uh, annual conference that the fact that it was held in Boston gave us the great uh, chance to actually knock out a new England trip. So we did, that's what mm -hmm. we did right after Boston. We uh, head up, and uh, did you know Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine? Had a nice little little time up there, and uh, yeah. So that's that's the other nice benefit of all of the traveling and the things that we get to do professionally is is uh, it certainly helps us uh, knock out some more of these states. So I was just going to ask if you stop and use a restroom on the way, does you get to count that, or you actually have to do a trip? You know, go see something, you'd sightsee. The, the way my wife does it, she says, if you're if you physically are you know driving into the state, that counts. She doesn't qualify okay, like you have to get out of the car or anything like that. But being in an airport somewhere does not count. Got to oh, get outside the airport. Okay. So if you've flown into a city but you never left the airport, 
doesn't yeah. count, which I like. Doesn't count. Okay. Okay. I, I that's tough rules, but I got it. You know, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. We're, so we can all play play in bounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Besides this one, what podcast would you like to recommend our audience consider listening? Oh my gosh. You know, anything else other than your show is just like having professional versus amateur, you know, oh so why can't we even tell anybody? So, but I, I do have to say, um, I enjoy, even though it's PBS and even though PBS is horribly liberal in most cases, um, I, I do enjoy what's called Marketplace Radio and some of the other ancillary programs that they've got there. So when I'm driving home from work, I know I'm going to get at least 10 to 15 minutes of, of Marketplace Radio. It is despite somewhat liberal politics that, that creep in now and then it's they do a fairly good job of staying balanced and it's it's so informative um, i i just recorded i have it on my phone so boom um I, as i'm getting in the car it throws up on my in my phone or in my car's stereo system so i listen to that at home and then i finish listening to it when i'm just you know bringing stuff in and but it, it's so informative uh, and, and it's just a business focus. So unless you're interested in finding out more about what's happening in business and, and Federal Reserve and, and some of those really sort of abstract things, uh, probably don't want to listen to it. But if you are in the business world and you want to understand what's going on in our here in the U.S. as well as globally uh, from a business standpoint, it's a fascinating program. Really good. Love it. Great recommendation. Thank you. And the host there is just like you. He's just a hoot. <laughs> super, <laughs> super smart, super fun, uh, ask great questions. And, and as I say, he's just a hoot. Just like See, you. I, you know, I think that that's always, I think that there are probably a lot of hidden gems in the podcasting arena because there are some great personalities. I, I appreciate you considering me one of them, but, you know, I, I, I've gravitated or listened to you know, a handful of things here and there where, you know, the host kind of carried the interest, you know, on a topic that might have been a little bit negligible to me, but it was like, oh, you know, that was a fun listen. It was, it was one of those things like, I was glad I did it. And um, yeah, so I think that that's, uh, you know, like, like, like you were saying, even, even if the topic isn't on your top 10, uh, things like that can be a good worthwhile thing to go through because uh, you can enjoy them. And, and also the, the, the call, they, they bring in some different topics that I wouldn't ordinarily listen to um, yeah. just because they're, but, but in, they, they view it through that filter of business, but talk about some things that you wouldn't think, huh, I wouldn't have put it in that category. But yet that is something that's important and, and critical either here in the U.S. or regionally or internationally. So love it. No, fantastic. Well, Tell the audience about you and what you do on a daily basis. Something that I know uh, about, but I, I can't wait to hear the framework of uh, what your quote unquote nine to five is like. So tell us all about it. Sure. Sure. So my firm is, is called Wealth Legacy Group. I've been in practice uh, over 40 years. And um, <clears throat> so I have been showing up, showing up in different places. I did start, I'm a kid from Washington State. I uh, grew up in a little city called Yakima. My father was an entrepreneur. Unfortunately, he died when I was 18. And I watched what happened when the visionary uh, dies and what happens to that company. And when our, he, he had built a multi, multi-million dollar company. And when he... When the company was was smaller, the management team and such was sufficient. But when the company was had grown so big, 
and the management team had not grown to keep pace with his vision, uh, you know, within 10 years after my father's death, we were in bankruptcy. And so uh, fortunately, my parents did some amazing asset protection planning, especially considering the little town in Washington State were probably called Yakima. And so we didn't lose everything. We didn't lose the family ranch and we didn't lose certain assets, but we lost all of the business assets. And so that really motivated me. I mean, inside there was just a fire that came in and said, you know, I mean, because it wasn't just so much losing the assets because again, I, I knew we'd be fine somehow. It didn't, that money comes, money goes. But what was to me harder was watching people, some of who'd worked for us all their lives. I mean, there were people that I thought they were part of the family just because they've been showing up in our lives for so long. And I remember one, his name was Lucian Wood and bless his heart. He was a, he was from West Virginia, worked with us. And, and so in the summers I had worked down in the, in the business and he kind of took me under his wing and he'd roll his own cigarettes. And I mean, this guy was just a classic and it, it absolutely broke our hearts and my heart to, to watch these men and women lose their jobs. So I just, as I say, it just created a fire in me that I said, you know what, while I'm on my watch, that's not going to happen to another business family. And so uh, I, I stayed at school. Uh, I'd had a conversation with my mom when I was 17. And she you know, basically said, honey, look, we'd love to have you come back in the family business if you want. But uh, honestly, I don't think the business is, is big enough for you. I think you would feel kind of stuck. So you know, we'd love to have you and whatever you want to do, your dad and I, whatever is important to you is important to us. But you know, I don't feel like you have to come back into the business. I mean, it was conversation was about that long. I said, okay, mom, you know, 17th time. And then a year later, my dad was dead. And all of a sudden now I was faced with the decision, do I leave university after 30 days and go back into the family business as my father had done when his father died, when he was at university. So, but because of that conversation with my mom, I, I, I decided, no, I'm, you know, it is, it is what it is, but I'm going to set my own path. And so I would encourage anyone that's listening to this podcast, Brian, that especially if they're entrepreneurs, if they're a mom and a dad and they've got kids and they have that conversation with their kiddos to just give them permission to fly, that they don't have to come into the business, even though they got the same last name, you know, it says Haney, you don't have to come into the business unless that's what your passion is. And it wasn't my passion. <laughs> So, so um, for me, that launched, though, the desire in me to create a, a multidisciplinary, integrated financial advisory and consulting company. So Wealth Legacy Group, I've got an attorney on staff. My wife is our COO. Um, we've got, we, we do insurance, um, which is how you and I connect up. 60% of our revenue comes from assets under management, which right now is a really interesting time because people don't know what the heck. I got an email from a, a, a woman today. I was at the gym. I'm kind of going through, scrolling through. And this is a woman. She and her husband decided to hire their son to manage their assets for him. Now, the kid had no financial experience at all. Other than he's thought he was pretty hot shot. And so it's like, Okay, you know, and then I got an email from her this morning. She's just desperate. RJ, I've lost already 20% of our investments. I have, I don't know where the bottom is. Um, you know, my son says just to hang in there, you know, gosh, and she's 65 and she goes, you know, I'm scared. I go, I understand that must be a really scary feeling. And I said, well, let's have a quick call. And, and we have a very special platform that 
right now we're just sitting in in short-term bonds in a short-term bond etf with vanguard uh and so 98 percent of our client money is there two percent in cash and we're just waiting we have a very special program you can't get through vanguard but it's a, it's a smart chip, if you will, uh, like on a dumb rocket. Vanguard's the dumb rocket. We got the smart chip. So right now our portfolios are down depending on whether they're aggressive or balanced. I mean, the aggressive portfolio, we're down about 10% for the year. Well, the S&P is down about 24. <laughs> um, and we're starting to work our way back. And then my wife's portfolio is down about 7% so far year to date. And Hers is a little more conservative, but okay. So we're in a really good position. We're uh, with waiting to see what happens. So we have these different divisions inside the company, but overall, what we do is people hire us to take a look at their wills and their trusts, their estate planning documents, their insurance, life, disability, long-term care, that kind of stuff. See where it's at. Um, what do they have? Do they have enough? Do they have too much? Not enough. Are they missing asset classes? I was on the phone this week with two top dentals, dentists um, and surgeons, and they have, you know, these guys are making a million seven, and they've got $2,500 a month of disability insurance if they to, for income replacement. At the end of a year, it kicks in, Brian. At the end of tw 12 months, it finally kicks in to pay them $2,500 a, a, a month. And... <clears throat> they've got a contracts for 5,000 that will cover 5,000 of their business overhead. Well, mm. hers is 250,000 a month of overhead. His is a little smaller. His is like 80 to a hundred thousand a month of overhead. Uh, you know, I mean that kind of stuff. So anyway, as you can tell, I'm, I'm like the, 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 the cross-eyed javelin thrower. I don't know if you ever heard about him. We, we love you. <laughs> but the cross-eyed javelin thrower and from I, Eastern Europe or something, but most recent last Olympics he was in and, and, you know, didn't set any records, but boy, did he keep the crowd alert? You know, <laughs> like, okay, where'd you go? So that's me. I'm that cross-eyed javelin thrower. But um, what people pay me to do is to look at their wills and their trust. And I, I have an attorney on staff. So now he does that their insurance, their investments, you know, what do they have? How is it titled? Is it tax efficient? Do they have a safety net underneath them? We have built-in stop losses. So that's why we're down only 10 and seven because we stopped out when the market went. And so our, our money's been sitting on the sidelines. And then the last one is income. Both, most of our clients don't need income now, but it's projecting ahead 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. What do you have for income? How many buckets do you, will you have? Can we create some more? How do we create some tax efficiencies? So those are the four legs of the table, estate, insurance, investments, and income. But if you just had four legs of the table, you didn't have a tabletop, they'd just be laying around. So the tabletop, we believe, is their legacy. Mm -hmm. How much do we want to leave to their kids? Uh, in what fashion? Uh, we're also very big about creating what we call family legacy trusts, which don't, it's not about creating money for the kids for income. No, it's about keep, it's about money, a million, two million, five million that can be used to help that family grow, stay together, keep married. Uh, maybe it's a family bank, but this becomes generational. And so we we'll typically set these trusts up in, in Nevada, where we can do it for 365 years, or we'll set them up in South Dakota, where there's no end in sight. It's unlimited. And doesn't matter what state you live in, you can have, in Ohio, you can have a trust that's in South Dakota. I mean, I'm in California. I got a trust in Nevada.
So um, that's what people pay us for, those things. And then as well is philanthropy, again, where you and I line up. So the table, four legs of the table, wills and trusts, estate planning documents, insurance, investments, income. Tabletop is the legacy and philanthropy. And oh my gosh, Brian, you know this. You, you're looking at wills and trusts all the time. You got people that are worth millions of dollars. They're leaving stuff to their kids when they turn 21. Now, okay, I don't know what you're like when you're 21. I got to believe that you were probably the brightest, smartest kid in the class and you didn't, never did anything wrong. But me, you give me at 21 a million bucks or whatever, and I don't think I'd have a whole lot to show for today. What are these attorneys thinking of? No offense intended, because we get tons of referrals from attorneys and CPAs. But what are these guys thinking of? And men and women, how could they do that? Uh, I mean, there's either you do a waterfall where you know third of the assets at 35 or 40, and then half the balance at 40 or 45, and then the balance the balance at 45 and 50. But better yet, is just keep that money in trust for the benefit, the use of these kids. That way, it's completely free of creditors. They never have to worry about getting, having a creditor come after that money because it's protected. Divorce. Hey, I don't know about you guys, where you all live, but here in California, you know, it's, it, we just don't have a whole lot of marriages to stay together very long. So why would the worst fights I have ever seen in families, Brian is between the father of, of an affluent, wealthy family, between the father and his new daughter-in-law. Mm -hmm. where she has to sign the prenuptial agreement or they're going to put dead fish in her hubcaps or something. You know, I mean, it's just awful. It's just, yeah. and does that, what is that? It just ruins the relationship forever. And any plus, anytime I've ever seen somebody sign a prenup, they're always divorced. Mm -hmm. So That's in this true. case, we can create money in a trust. It's not subject to divorce, never has to come up. We don't need a prenup. And the last one is the IRS. IRS can't get at those assets either. Now we have to pay tax on the earnings. Somebody does, but why don't we keep that money where it's free from the claims of creditors, divorce proof, and IRS can't get at it either. And generationally, we can have that money literally go on forever if, if we domicile the state, they'll do that. So that's what people hire us for and pay us a fee to look at that stuff, come back and make the recommendations. We call our issues, observations, and recommendations. So <laughs> one of our clients uh, years ago, she goes, RJ, you ask very intrusive questions. <laughs> I, I would hope so. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll call her Susie. That's not her real name. Um, Susie, does your attorney ask you intrusive questions? Does your OBGYN ask you intrusive questions? Like he asked my wife every year when she was in for, for all her stuff. She, uh, does your CPA ask you intrusive questions? She goes, um, I see your point. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but you gotta understand, I only ask intrusive questions because I want to know you better than any other advisor has ever come to know you. So I can make recommendations for you that fit or their alignment with your value system. Yeah. You don't need to know what I think about something. You need to, I, I want to understand what you think about something and then integrate the planning around you. So anyway, they're great friends, great clients, um, have been for a long time. But I just thought that was a great question or great after RJ, you ask very intrusive questions. Yeah, I sure do. Get paid a lot for it too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. So there's a long answer to a short question, right? No, but, with that one? <laughs> no it's it's perfect because it does give us some good jumping off points that I know we can we can dive into a little bit. And I think um, you know, it it, it is so critical 
for us to help people see beyond the money, which is, mm-hmm. which is what most of this is. Money is just a means to something. It's a means to living our best yeah. lives. And so often we get hung up on the money part and it's never about that. It's never about how much you have, how little you have. All It's about who do you care about? Who do you love? And what kind of an impact do you want to have while you're alive and when you're not here anymore? And, you know, that's, that requires, I think, fortitude because, you know, there are some questions that might be easier to ask and answer than others, but we got to, you know, we do have to really consider some, some significant things, but that, you know, then getting those answers and creating a plan and a strategy and a framework that you can apply that, you know, will lead you down the path that you want to go. And, you know, isn't that, you know, I mean, it's almost worth all the weight and gold. So that's, I, 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 that's why, you know, I know we just have a lot of kindred connection components. Now I want to though, because uh, this is going to be, it's actually a part of, of a series we're building a little mini series in, in this show on, you know, starting to wrestle with the big, hairy uncle, the drunk uncle that only shows up once a year and hits us up for money and is no fun at parties, Uncle Sam, right? And, uh, you know, I'd love to kind of, with your help, a started, you know, would you say it's fair? Most people don't grasp how significant of an impact taxes has on their financial situation. There's a couple of times a year when they do get that sense of how much it impacts their situations when they're writing that big check and they're just, yeah. you know, cursing the CPA, cursing IRS, franchise tax board here in California, which, but by the way, real quick, um, one of my friends who's just a brilliant woman and her dad sold their business for $800 million. Now where I come from, that's a lot of money. Not <laughs> Now he took most of that money um, and he did gift it to the girls and they, they certainly they're okay. But, but the, he just told the girls, he said, Hey, we're taking the bulk of that money and we're giving it away. We're, we're putting it into the community to teach people how to become entrepreneurs. Incredible story. I mean, it's been written up all across the United States as being just a model, extraordinary things they're doing. But one of the things that 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 uh, um, Valerie uh, says is that money's just a magnifier. It makes good parenting better. It makes bad parenting worse. And unfortunately, there's just far more bad parents, maybe uh, well-intentioned, but bad parents out there. And so the point is, money is just a magnifier. To your point you made a moment ago, it's just a tool. Now, for some people, it's become their God, and that's really a shame. And and yes, I mean, my wife has a, has the same. My wife came here from another country, and and uh, she lived through a horrible war, lived through the killing fields of Cambodia. And so, you know, bless her heart, she's worked three jobs at times, uh, raising two mm-hmm. boys by herself, and raising her sister, raising her brother, and her mom who had a stroke. And I mean, so she's she's been through it. But she has a saying that I love, and that is the best thing we can, honey, I know you love what you do, and I know you would do it for free if you if you could. But just remember this, the best thing we can do for the poor is not be one of them. <laughs> so so is, we need to work hard, get paid well, and then what we do with that money to, to give it away. I, there was, um, it wasn't Martin Luther, but one of the early Protestant leaders who said, work as hard as you can, make as much money as you can, so you can give as much money away as you can. And that's kind of what we do is we just 
keep our lifestyle really low key and then give a bunch of money away and try to bless others in the way we've been blessed. But um, your question a minute ago, fire to me again. Let's go. Taxes. So, you know, it's in, in the world of, of assessing and addressing taxes and how taxes impact us financially. And you mentioned it, you know, we only seem to reconcile the impact of taxes, you know, once, maybe twice a year. But outside of that, I would safely say a lot of people probably don't have a good ongoing sense. And even, even during those two times when they're reconciling it, I don't know that it's, it's seen strategically. It just seems to be, hey, we got to put the numbers together and write the check. But that's, that's right. probably not the most effective way to go about it. And I know you have some pretty good ideas about some advanced strategies that you've used. So I'd love to, you know, maybe dive into, sure. you know, two or three that sure. you think really, um, you know, have been really helpful uh, that, that a lot of people might be interested in understanding. Sure. And, and truly, here's, here's the thing. Most people feel like a victim. Their CPA comes in, and again, no offense intended against CPAs that might be listening to our program here because you know I love CPAs. This whole world would crumble if we didn't have CPAs. And same thing, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I attorneys, I've got massive respect for them, and, and they're both sent us a lot of business. Uh, but unfortunately, most CPAs, first of all, their license is on the line. So if IRS challenges something and if it's egregious and they want to, IRS wants to get nasty, that CPA could actually lose their license. If, the, if they permitted a, a client of theirs to do something that is egregious. So th- one, I'm not sure um, how much of the caution on the part of CPAs is because that's their nature. And those are the kind of people mm-hmm. that go into accounting or if it's because of that fact that they could lose their license if, if something gets too on the wild side, but, or maybe it's some of both, but the, the, let's just face it. Um, 98% of CPAs that I work with or had as friends and so forth, they're extremely cautious on a scale of one to 10, they're about a minus three. And they're really more what I call a damage control kind of mentality. It's like, okay, here's the tax bill, just pay it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple of them will say, oh, by the way, we could do this and we could do that. And but on, on top of that, again, this is not being critical. The fact is the tax code is tens of thousands of pages mm-hmm. long. Yep. How do you stay up on that? And so that's why we're seeing more specialization and so forth. Or CP is just going, forget that stuff. But here's the thing, Brian, I want, to, I want your listeners to, to understand this or at least go, huh, huh, I've never heard anybody say that. Here's the thing. A lot of the the clients I work with are typically entrepreneurs or very successful. They're also very successful um, real estate uh, owners, apartments, shopping centers, stuff like that. Um, Or they are very successful professionals or executives. And here's the thing. Most affluent, wealthy Americans understand that we have an obligation to support the social well-being of our country. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, for, for all its faults, that particularly comes out right now as we watch all these ads on TV, but um, about that candidate or that candidate, but for all its faults, it is still the best country in the world by far. And I've traveled to many of them and I, there's just no other place that I would rather, I'm proud to be an American. I really am. Both my wife and I are extremely proud to be Americans. Here's the thing. Um, 
what most wealthy affluent Americans don't understand because their advisors either don't understand it or don't tell them this is that government gives us a choice in how we support the social well-being of the country. Mm-hmm. We have a choice. We can choose. Now, if we don't choose how we want to support the social well-being of the country, what happens? That's something called taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But so we just we just um, got hired by a, a new family, and, and I need, this is not meant to brag, and, and this is not to make you think that this is all we work with. But I, we just got my, hired by a two hundred million dollar family, and what caught his attention was when I said to him, by the way, and I'll call him Sam. Um, Sam, you do realize that capital gains taxes are optional. You don't have to pay them, and you won't go to jail. He laughed. He said, if you do something instead, if you support the social well-being in a way that's more in alignment with your own value system, your family's value system. And and he said, say that again, slower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said, I'll give you the front part. I said, that capital gains taxes are optional. You don't have to pay them. If you do something else in advance, of course, it takes pre-planning. It's like the guy who says, you know, if, if you don't have a parachute when you need a parachute, you'll never need a parachute again. Mm-hmm. You got to plan ahead. You got to call Brian Haney up and say, Brian, look, let's sit down. I heard that Kelly guy. Let's let's talk. Let's get some planning done man, in advance. Same thing with federal death taxes. Same thing with state inheritance taxes. They're optional. You don't have to pay them and you won't go to jail. I can take a $100 million state and they'll pay zero estate taxes if they do what we tell them to do. And a third to half of our income taxes are also optional. So mm-hmm. what are some ways to do that? Well, now, so what we do for a portion of our practices, tax mitigation, is that um, we look for ways to reduce, defer, or eliminate reduce, defer, or eliminate tax. So let me start with the simple ones. So if somebody's not using a health savings account, they're, they're missing out on a huge opportunity. None of yeah, this is bring this up. I mean, right now, a person gets what? 3,650 bucks as a deduction. And in fact, even right now we're recording, it's the end of September of 2022. If somebody hadn't filed their tax return yet for 2021, they could still take a deduction for HSA and maybe put away as much as $9,300 pre-tax. And they can do that. Again, it depends on what age you are. If you're 55 and up, you get that, this little bonus deal. And um, and if you're 65, once you go on Medicare, you can't do that. But somebody who is on Medicare can still tap into the HSA that of money that was accumulated before. And then some clients are doing, they're just putting money away in this plan, not taking it out. And it's just another way to grow money, deductible, grows money without tax. And when the money comes out to pay for healthcare expenses, which could be medical, uh, vision, optical, dentist, whatever, that's all tax-free. You know, So that's such a simple one, but most people never, they don't even talk about it. So, uh, I've found there's a platform that charges zero for it. They're super great. Um, if you want to invest with them, fine, but it costs zero to do that. So not just a flex spending, a health savings account. Now you have to go with a high deductible plan and all that stuff, but the, the requirement there is so de minimis. That's an easy one. Another one. And, and so this one gets a little more, shall we say, controversial. And I, I'm going to tell you, Brian, I was a hater of this idea until a year ago when I finally 
and I'm a tax guy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a tax nerd. And, and so I just dug into the tax code, looked at it, and this code section 170H, and I don't like throwing around a lot of tax, tax codes, but for somebody who's listening to it, you can go pull that one up and you'll see it. Surprisingly, when was the last time you ever saw anything get through Congress where the majority of the Republicans and the majority of the Democrats agreed to do the same, pass the same legislation? And it's like, what? They did on this one. Now, I grant it for different reasons, but it's a it's in a real estate area. If you put 25 grand into this program, you get to take off. Now, IRS has already agreed they will lay down on this number. So without batting an eye, without flinching, they will agree to this two and a half times. So if you put down, I'm going to make my math easy. If you put down 50,000 into this, you're going to get a 250,000, sorry, $125,000 deduction, charitable mm-hmm. deduction. You get to deduct that up to 50% of your adjusted gross income or what we call MAGI, not if I adjust gross income. So your $50,000 of contribution becomes a $125,000 deduction. And it's deductible to 50% of your Magi, and you get 15 years to use it up if, for some reason, you, you don't have enough income to be able to write it all out. So, like, now that's the laydown number. If you have a sponsor that is responsible uh, and they can, they can prove the valuations, it's four to five times. So, if you put mm-hmm. in 50000 you might get a $250,000 deduction. Now, it depends on your CPAs. I've met CPAs that say that this is just a hoax. Okay, I never was that bad, but I was a hater. No, it's in the code. And IRS does it. I mean, they they don't make the decisions. Congress put it in the tax code. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's what's referred to oftentimes as a conservation easement, which is a little bit of a misnomer, although it's basically what it's about is setting land aside so you'll have green belts forever. Mm-hmm. Um, clean water, clean air historic buildings and preserving them. So it depends, those are the four basic areas that IRS says or Congress says, if you're in that space and you're investing and you get nothing back, you get no income, you get just get a massive tax deduction. So talk, I wouldn't say talk with your CPA, but um, reach out to you because you can direct folks towards some of these sponsors. Now, again, there's some bad sponsors out there, but IRS has gotten clobbered already. Two, two huge cases they lost this year. So they're just going, okay, we accept it. That's why they give this two and a half times lay down number. Anything above that, they don't come to you. They go to the sponsor. Say, mm-hmm. okay, prove it to us. Um, another one, and this is uh, gets in the defer side of things. So if somebody has, let's say they've got an S corporation or they've got uh, some real estate um, and I'm going to start with an S corporation, many clients um, may have a C corporation, they may have an LLC, in which case there are more tools we can use there. But so many entrepreneurs have S corporations and they want to sell. Um, we're just getting buried with people that want to sell their, their businesses. They made it through COVID. They want out and they're getting some great offers. And you know, as interest rates are going up, the, the consolidators are coming in saying, look, I mean, literally, I've got a, a doctor client who's a research company. He got approached. They did. I uh, got approached two weeks ago. These guys want to buy him for um, seven and a half times EBITDA. Wow. Before depreciation, taxes, insurance, and, and, and uh, amortization, seven and a half times EBITDA, and they want to close by the end of October. 
<laughs> now, how do you do that? And so I'll call him, I'll call him John. That's not his real name, but anyway, John called me, RJ, uh, you, you know, advise us on all this other stuff. What can we do? How do we get around the tax on this? So he's in trouble unless we use some, some strategies. Some of them are controversial. I got it. You know, I told him up front, Hey, there's some haters to this idea. I used to be one of them, but I'm not now. And so what this does is basically we have one technique. We can, can put a wrapper around a fence around the business. We, we get somebody who's called an intermediary, somebody who steps in between and there's magic. So, um, tax magic, if you will. There's somebody who's in between. So the client doesn't actually receive the money. So there's no what we call constructive receipt. That's a technical term you and I both know. But there's no constructive receipt. Okay, great. So that way the client's not taxed on it because they don't get the money directly. Where does it go? Well, in option one, we have a, a trust company that's an intermediary. They're the intermediary. So they take the money, the proceeds from the sale. They put it into a note that's payable to the seller. Um, and then we can help them with the investment of that money into whatever the client wants to invest in. Now you can defer the recognition for 10 years, and then we usually build two five-year deferrals. Okay. So at the end of that 20 years though, then they're going to have to report the transaction that happened here in 2022, but it'll be based on whatever the tax rates are 20 years from now. But in the meantime, they got all this money to work with, grow it, you know, invest it. Don't go buy your wife a beautiful new necklace or a million dollar motorhome. You can take the earnings from the money and go buy that beautiful necklace or beautiful motorhome, but um, don't use the proceeds. Okay, that's fine. So that's one way. The other way I prefer is a 30-year extension. And with subchapter S corporations, this is the, like, the only technique you can use I'm assuming that the S corporation is, is electing S corp taxation treatment. Mm -hmm. I did have a client who sold, we helped her. Uh, she's one of the largest franchises, franchisors in her business. If I said the name, everybody go, oh yeah, I love that place. <laughs> she was electing C corporation tax treatment. So we were able to defer or actually eliminate the tax on using a special code section 1202. But on the state of California, they just reamed her. And mm. her CPA didn't advise her of that, unfortunately. And so we should have used this technique. But um, this technique basically stretches out the recognition of the gain for 30 years. It effectively converts. In California, we have a 13.3% tax. So it effectively converts what all in is about 37% and converts it to about a 15% tax. So again, substantially reduces the tax rate, defers the recognition of the tax for 30 years. And so all that time, we've got the money to work with. Mm. So again, not without controversy, <laughs> but that one's a great one. Doesn't eliminate the tax, but does give you, in, in effect, 85 cents on the dollar, you can go play and invest and, and make a difference with. And then one of my favorite ones is, we get ready to land the, the plane here, is there are certain what we call split interest techniques. Split interest, meaning that as long as you do something good for someone else or something else now or in the future or both. You can do really good things for you and your family. So in other words, split interest. And this comes out of the 69, 1969 Tax Reform Act. So it's literally been the tax code for 53 years, but unfortunately, uh, most CPAs, 
most tax attorneys, most financial advisors don't know about it. I mean, you and I know about it, but I mean, we're like in the one-tenth of one percent. And so there, there are tools that, is, again, if we're willing to, for example, we can't use this particular idea with a subchapter S corporation. Again, they don't play well in the tax sandbox with anybody. But if somebody's an LLC, if somebody has um, somebody has a, a C corporation, somebody has a partnership, uh, or they want to sell an appreciated piece of real estate. Now, it's better if it doesn't have any debt on it. I was uh, chatting earlier this week with a gentleman who's so clever. I mean, he, he was able to retire when he was 39, got really bored, came, was able to retire again at 41, got really bored. So now he's back at it. Um, he's, he's giving away a million bucks a year. His goal is to give away a million bucks a month. He's right now on a billion dollar idea. I mean, it's a crazy, clever idea, 139% uh, return on assets uh, on this. It was just like, what? And so point of the story is there, we're looking at incorporating some tools for some of these real estate projects uh, when, when they buy real estate from some of these people are buying the real estate from. So here's the deal. We, we create a trust. It's a special kind of trust. It's a split interest trust. It's irrevocable. We put the asset in there. Okay, first of all, because there's a philanthropic outcome that's going to come in at some point, it may not be for 100 years, Brian, but because there eventually will be a philanthropic benefit, we get a tax deduction. So yeah. I had a client of mine that they were 79 and 83. They had sold, unfortunately, sold a business and real estate for seven and a half million, created a $2.1 million tax bill. So unfortunately, I can't unring the bell. Mm -hmm. they were, they were, but what I can do is even if somebody has a taxable event, as long as it's in the same tax year, I was able to create this special kind of irrevocable trust, the split interest trust. They're, they put a couple million dollars into that trust. They got a deduction for guess how much, Brian? $1,634,000, which didn't eliminate the tax, but it dropped it from 2.1 million down to 937,000. Yeah, I mean, that's still a big number to me, but they were ecstatic. Now this trust gives them an income stream. We're taking out 6% per year and, and three different times now, since we set this up, they've, had, they've come back to say, RJ, we're just making too much money. So with everything else you're doing for us on the outside, we just don't need this much money coming out of this trust. Can you, can we tighten down the spigot on it? So we don't, I said, sure. So we did, we just closed down the spigot a little bit. So they're not taking as much income out now. It's deferring it. So in, as long as money stays in there, it doesn't get paid out. There's no tax. It's free from the claims of creditors. So if God forbid, if there's a car accident, somebody sues them, they can't get any of this money. Now we could have had this income continue on for as many as four generations. In other words, over a hundred years. They, they already taken care of their two boys. They said, nope, we're, we're good. <laughs> um, one of my colleagues out of, out of Chicago, Randy Fox did, did a four generation. And so they do have to be living, but um, was able to have an income stream that will continue on for four gen up to four generations. So this is not a charitable remainder trust. Some people may be listening and go, oh, that's CRT. Nope, can't do this with a CRT. Uh, the longest I've ever been able to do a CRT for is two generations, not three, not four. And on top of that, for all the real estate houses in the group, you can actually borrow money. Banks will loan money into this trust. Hmm. Now, I don't 
suggest that they that they build it, you know, apartment building, whatever. What I suggest is if you want to buy some some real estate, buy the land from inside this trust. Own the land, the dirt inside this. You can't depreciate dirt, but then have the building, have the shopping center, have whatever on the outside, because that way you get um, fresh, you get depreciation to shelter the income. You can have your debt on the outside. Um, but it, it's a very clever tool. No one. Right. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say no one, but in this case, no one has seen this before. It's part of the 69 tax act, but it did get a fresh coat of paint in 2017. And so we're using this technique now um, for clients. And in this case, we actually eliminate the tax on the sale. So we can put an asset and we can put a C corporation, we can put an LLC, put that into, the, in, into this, sell it, pay zero tax and get a tax deduction, a massive tax deduction. Or if they've already had the liquidity event, we can still come along after the fact, as long as it's the same tax year and put money in it and get some deductions to at least wash off the tax that they're going to pay because they didn't do some advanced planning. I could go on and on, you know, so you know, I love this stuff. I love making a difference. Those are some, some just ideas from, from easy to supercharged. Um, no, this is perfect. And again, I, I, that's kind of where I knew we would go. I think uh, what we'll do is we're going to have a TBD for another session because uh, we got to have some more fun together. How can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out to you? How can they find you? Sure. Sure. Well, first of all, they should be reaching out to you because you're the, you're the guy. You're the man. Uh, that's what I'd be doing if I wasn't in the business. But um, <laughs> they can they can shoot me an email. RJ, the letters RJ, like RJ Reynolds, but it's RJ Kelly. So just RJ at wealthlegacygroup.com. RJ at wealthlegacygroup.com. And they can also, um, our office phone, 858-569-0633. Again, 858 858- Five six nine zero six three three, and they um, they can also go to our website wealthlegacygroup.com. Go to our videos tab. Uh, it's got all kinds of all kinds of videos on there on various different topics. I just uh, was had the honor of being a co-author on a book on exit planning. Uh, it is on Amazon, and I'm dropping a book on retirement that will be it's supposed to hit in uh, in November. Is our is our plan right now? And it's, it's called, um, I have to rechange the name. It's called Creating Your Ideal Retirement Starting Today, Overcoming the Top 10 Planning Mistakes That Will Keep You From Retiring Well. So it's, it's collected from years of, of working with clients and helping them really get a solid retirement and addressing these dragons that, I mean, I was literally with just clients on Monday on a call and they said, RJ, I just wish that we had really taken this seriously and and done more with you before we did, before we retired. I said, I understand, but we can still make up for lost time. And it can't completely unring the bell, but we can certainly make up for lost time. So anyway, uh, Brian, so honored to be with you. Thanks so much for asking me. You know, I'm a huge fan of yours and can't wait to see you in October for our top of table meeting. And uh, I, I hope you're going to come to Edge as well in Orlando. But anyway, I'm just so honored to be with you. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, RJ. Really appreciate it.
information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Heaney is a registered representative and an investment advisory representative of Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC. Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC is not affiliated with the Haney Company. Securities offered through Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC, Membra, Finra, Sipic, Advisory services offered through Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor.